And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We're talking playoffs again. We're talking legal wrangling in the group of five with Chris Benini. And I've made Chris wait. I was very happy when Chris slacked me and said, I need a few extra minutes. Because I didn't tell him I also needed a few extra minutes. Because as we're recording this, it's President's Day. It's a holiday. That means my wife has come up with some chores for me to do that I would have never, ever considered and and didn't realize we needed. Uh, Today, it was chopping some limbs off of trees that are about, the, the limbs are about 12, 15 feet in the air. And uh, Chris, one of the limbs was, uh, well, let me say, it gave me the, the chance to embrace my inner Clark Griswold. It was a little too thick for the chainsaw. And so what it ended up being was me on a ladder with the chains, my chainsaw stuck in the limb, hanging 15 feet in the air like the chainsaw of Damocles, and that's what was going on when you said I needed a few extra minutes. I, I hope you were able to turn it off, right? Like it wasn't just hanging there and when it came free, it's going to be spinning like it, wild. It was off and it's one of those battery powered ones. So I, I yanked the battery and, and okay, gave good. that to my wife to take away <laughs> from me so that I couldn't accidentally turn it on. And then I broke my chain. So when we're done here, I will be heading to uh, to my my home improvement superstore to get a new ch- a new chain for my saw, but everyone will be pleased to know I did not injure myself in any serious manner. Did not injure any members of my family. Uh, there were no woodland creatures harmed, but there was yes, there was a chainsaw hanging from a tree in front of my house for eh, a solid 15, 20 minutes. It was very perilous. So how how far into the branch did you get? Most of the way. So. I say this chain did its job. I'm looking at the cost of replacement chains. I got my $15 worth out of this chain. And uh, I went and got a handsaw and, and saw the rest off, which was also somewhat perilous because at that point, I didn't know where anything was falling. The chain was still stuck in the, it just gripped into the wood. So the chain was falling, everything was falling. And now I had gotten the chain saw itself out because I'd broken the chain off and just taken the, the actual unit out. But. Yeah, so listen, it's always an adventure at the Staples House, especially when the chores are something I never would have dreamed that we needed to do. But apparently we needed some more natural light on the side yard, and now we have it. That's good. I haven't haven't cut any branches down. We don't have many trees in my neighborhood in Texas. We did have a tree fall down about two years ago in in between the two houses, thankfully. It didn't land on anything. But that we went from tons of shade to tons of light messed up the yard been trying to fix that ever since oh yeah 
Yeah, because the yard is designed for whatever level of shade or light you have. Yes. And if that suddenly changes, it's a different, you, you need a different makeup. You might need a different kind of grass. You need different plants. Yeah, it, it is it is quite quite a chore when a, uh, a tree unexpectedly decides it doesn't want to be there anymore or a storm knocks it. That's where I live. It's, it's it, you know, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, one of those hurricanes came through and there's a big old tree just in the middle of their roof <laughs> yeah. and you've got yeah, to get it off. So that's uh that's the way it goes, but all is well. I will uh, I will be replacing my chainsaw chain. That's the 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 worst thing that happened is I got to go to go buy a $15 chain and and then I can chop up these branches and and we'll be good to go. But Chris, I wanted to talk to you because you've been covering a lot of the most interesting stuff in college football lately. You wrote about the playoff situation on Friday when it happened. Uh, you called it basically a failure of leadership, uh, which, you know, it, it's college sports. We, we've kind of come to expect that. Uh, so I want to talk to you about that. I also want to talk to you about the situation with Conference USA and the teams that are headed to the Sun Belt, because I think that's one of the most interesting things going on in college sports right now. Obviously, it is obscured by all this playoff talk, but the next four months or so are going to be pretty juicy on that front. So, but well, let's first talk about the playoff because how, how surprised were you on Friday when the news came down finally? Oh, it's, it's not happening. I, I was not surprised. I'd covered almost every set of in-person meetings they've had since June, essentially one every month. And they seem to have very little progress uh, through all of that. And so coming out of last month when ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips was basically like, hey, we don't want to expand right now, uh, that made it pretty clear where it was going to go. And they were going to have a meeting in early March, started to kind of hear that it may get canceled. So then, you know, when they come out and say, all right, we're, we're, we're not expanding early, that kind of was a culmination of a lot of frustration over eight months. So why did they go through the dog and pony show of having all these meetings? Was it just that the hope of the other seven that they could convince I guess eight if you count Notre Dame, but the, the hope of that group that they could convince the other three to to somehow vote yes on on fast tracking this thing. Yeah, that that was part of it. Uh, ACC for a while had been pushing eight teams, you know, but you've got the Rose Bowl issue they still haven't figured out. You've got the automatic qualifiers they still haven't figured out. I think the biggest thing is that they started this on good terms back yeah. in June, and then everything goes to goes to hell conference realignment happens and you're already on this path. So you kind of try to see it through if you can. And uh, the relationships were too fractured, I think, to eventually get anything done. I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, Chris. I, I, I'm curious to, to know what your opinion is on this, because if Texas A&M doesn't leak that the SEC's getting Texas and Oklahoma, one, does the 12-team playoff go through as, as we thought it would. Two, do we know yet that Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC? Well, that, that second question is the whole issue. It, it was going to be, what, January or something We might it, it might come out? I can't imagine they would have been able to hold it a secret for that long, so it probably comes out at some point. But if realignment, let's just say, if Texas and Oklahoma don't leave, do we have the playoff expansion? I think yes. Oh, yeah, I asked, yeah. I, I asked Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson this on Friday. I, I said, 
you know, if that doesn't happen, are, are we not having this conversation? And he go, and he, he says, you know, it really changed the temperament in the room. He didn't want to say it was the breaking point or the catalyst, but it clearly changed everything because then you had the trickle down where you've got the group of five commissioners trying to take teams from each other and, and, and just the relationships got really damaged. So yeah, if conference realignment doesn't happen, we almost certainly have an expanded playoff early. See, I think that would that almost would have been worse. I think if they had gone through with it, approved it, because it, I, I think you're right, and I think they would have approved it quickly. I think it would have been before the end of of calendar 2021 that they approved it. But then, what if Texas and Oklahoma that news had come out like a month or two later? Well, at that, I mean, the Big Twelve is on the side of the SEC in this. So it's really the teams, the teams but that, that are event against, is what caused the ACC and it, the big 10 and then to, to look sideways to, at, at everybody else right? to create the alliance, to slow down realignment. But in the end, they didn't lose anybody. So I, I don't know. I guess it depends if you sign the contracts or not by then. Really? Yeah. That would have <laughs> been you're like, whoa, hold on. Cause I, I yeah. do, I, that, that was my thing with all this is when they, when they initially said, slow it down, I was like, okay, slow it down, figure out if there was an ulterior motive because Greg Sankey was on in the group that that made the plan. But the fact that Bob Bowlesby didn't turn on him, that, that Thompson didn't turn on him, that Swarbrick didn't turn on him, that probably tells you maybe there wasn't an ulterior motive and, and that they were trying to give basically something to... Because that's what I felt like. The 12-team plan that they put out gave everybody something that that, that yes. they needed. Not, But they didn't get everything they needed. Nobody got everything they needed, but everybody got something they needed. Yeah, exactly. That I mean, I didn't, I didn't really understand the twelve model when they first came out with it. But then, as they kind of explained it, as you kind of realized, oh, hey, you know, a bye week matters, so there's more stakes. Notre Dame will be in, but they're not going to get a bye. Like it made sense for everybody, and, and frankly, I thought it ended up being a brilliant option. And that's not really what held it up at the end. It was it was all the little things like automatic yeah. qualifiers and stuff like that that ended up. Yeah, and, it up. and the automatic qualifier thing, I didn't quite understand why it was such a big deal. And yeah. and I asked Bob Bowlesby this in December because I was like, Bob, why don't you want this? Like, this guarantees you your league is special. And he's like, I understand that, but it's basically lawsuit bait. It's basically saying exactly this will get us dragged before Congress, and I don't want that. And yeah. That seems to, that seems to be the prevailing reason why they want the top six, which in practice, it would probably be those five conferences, yeah, and the American, probably or the Mountain West. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been talking, I've been working on a Craig Thompson story since July. I was literally with him when the Texas Oklahoma news came down, but he's seen a lot in his career. Back oh. in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, he pitched. A, a wacky idea of an eight-team playoff with a with a selection committee that sets the teams. And around that time, he uh, testified in front of Congress with a few other people about the BCS and what the state of that was. So he's a guy who's seen everything. He's been on. He was on the working group that came up with this model because, yeah, Bowlesby sees what what Craig Thompson and a lot of people see is that if if the the lawsuits and and, and the things that could come from limiting that pool further. Yeah, anytime you sort of codify these are the special people and these aren't, there's a, even if you agree to it, if you vote on it, circumstances can change and somebody can get mad and all of a sudden you got a problem. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Craig Thompson thing is interesting because I'm fascinated by him. There was a day during the first round of realignment where BYU and, and the members of the WAC tried to essentially gut the Mountain West. Uh, yeah. Utah State, I believe, was involved in it. Yeah. And Craig Thompson fought it off while in an airport somewhere and essentially destroyed the WAC. In that one day, it, I, I find that to be the single greatest retaliation slash defense in, in all of realignment. That one day yeah. that Craig Thompson destroyed the whack on the day that they tried to destroy him. Yeah, I want to th- say 2010. This is in the story that I'm, I've been working on. He was, at a, he was at a White Sox, Minnesota Twins baseball game. And he gets a tip from the, I think, the AD or the president at Utah that, mm-hmm. hey, this is, this is going on. And he finagles some things. He, he beats the whack to the punch by inviting Fresno State and Nevada to the Mountain West. And that basically stops this, you know, what he called the coup attempt and eventually led to the death of the WAC football, too. It was it was amazing because, you know, this is BYU was kind of engineering part of this, too. And BYU they were going to go, they were going to yeah. they were going to go football independent and yep. everything else in the WAC back into the WAC. Yeah, that was the idea. Yeah, it, it was such a such a crazy deal. And, and the Salt Lake Tribune got a hold of the emails and it was funny because the last email they published is, I believe it was one of the Utah, I think it might have been the Utah State president. It was one of those, one of the folks that had been part of planning the coup, telling the other people who were planning the coup, uh, we're trying to get back into the Mountain West and Craig Thompson's not returning my calls. Like, it was, and, it and, was the, and this was, and this was, this was a few months after Boise State announced it was going to leave for the Mountain West. So it was kind of retaliatory for that. And one of the emails that popped up was, I forgot who it was, but basically saying Gene Blymeyer is shaking in his boots right now. He doesn't know what's coming. That's today. right. That's right. Gene Blymeyer was the, was the <laughs> yeah. AD at Boise State at the time. Which, yeah. that, Chris, it's amazing to me, like, we're, we're talking about this. So the Boise State moved to the Mountain West. That's prior to the Boise State move to the Big East. Remember Boise State and TCU were going to the Big East? Like, yeah, <laughs> that uh, happened. Yeah. Was San, San, Diego, San Diego State? involved yes in that too, yes in the state been. as well yeah and and that that didn't happen because the big east kind of fell apart yeah it was going to become the american yeah I, you know we talk about conference realignment now but the people who remember it a decade ago it was it was an even crazier time but that was over an extended period of time this all happened in a couple yeah. of months well let's let's go to the other thing that i wanted to talk about because it is related like this is a domino effect of texas and oklahoma moving to the sec and i'm really interested in it because 
you know, you, you look back at, at Conference USA, Conference USA, the history of it, I believe it's the Great Midwest Conference. Mike Slive becomes the commissioner. Uh, they grab a lot of uh, the football independent. Uh, they were the Metro. A lot of the teams were in the Metro Conference in in basketball. So it would have been like Louisville and Southern Miss. And, and so a lot of those those schools. And Conference USA at one point was the non-power conference it was the the premier non-power conference because the big east was a was a what we call we called them a, a bcs aq an, an automatic qualifier so they were one of the six bcs conferences and so the next step down was conference usa and if you look at like conference usa's lineup early 2000s it's a pretty strong lineup yeah and football and basketball it was a really good basketball league when it started and used to be headquartered up in i think chicago because of that. Now it's all the way down in Dallas because of all the changes it's gone through over 25 years, I think now. Yeah. Five ish years. And now they're, they're headquartered in Dallas. They're, they're stretched from El Paso to Norfolk, but they're a Southern conference now, which was not the case when they were founded. No. And, uh, it really was a way to get, I think it was a way to get those football independent schools together. And yeah. I remember talking to, uh, to Bill Carr, who was the AD at Houston when when the S, uh, the Southwest Conference folded, and that was that was what they you know they were trying to people were saying you should come to the WAC, and they're like no we want to yeah. do this Conference USA thing, right? The WAC the Conference USA kind of came out of the collapse of the Southwest Conference. They kind of split in between the WAC and Conference USA depending on where you were because the WAC had gotten up to uh, at that point got up to sixteen teams. At that point, later split became the Mountain West. So the, this all kind of plays into itself. Conferences rise and fall. They split up, and then they come back together. They try to raid each other. It's kind of the history of, of college sports, really. Yeah, I I think I said it, it came out of the Great Midwest Conference. I don't think that's that's right. That's a D2 conference. I, I don't, I'm trying to remember what the predecessor was called, but it was, it was a good lineup that essentially when the Big East – broke apart and you had the Catholic schools go become the big East again. And the, the football schools were the American. Basically they drew up from conference USA to replace what they had lost to the ACC and the big 12. And so, but conference USA was still there. So now we have this situation where you have teams leaving conference USA to join the Sun Belt, which I don't know about you, Chris. I always, the Sun Belt always seemed to me, once the WAC was gone, to be the the weakest of the the FBS conferences in terms of power and prestige, but now we see that it has it has jumped up a couple rungs. Yeah, the Sun Belt has. I mean, you know, Craig Thompson, speaking to him, was the commissioner of the league at one point, and they didn't even have football until two thousand one, I want to say something like that. So it's not like they have a deep football history because of that, um, and they've lost a lot of teams that. Uh, the, the conference realignment a decade ago, they saw a slew of teams leave for Conference USA. Right. FIU, FAU, uh, North North Texas, yeah, uh, Western Kentucky, and it, it was because of um, no, not Western Kentucky. No, yeah, Western Kentucky. It was because of that was it was TV markets. That was the pitch the last time we went through conference realignment, and the Sun Belt responded by adding FCS programs that either had potential or had. A history of success, your Appalachian states, your uh, Georgia Southerns, your Coastal Carolinas, your Georgia states, which was an, a new program. And those places had infrastructure and fan bases in place that 
they could build up and sustain themselves and they weren't relying on right football uh, has always been a big deal at georgia southern football has always been a big deal at appalachian state it's not like like fiu and fau for example were relatively new programs where they'd said oh we're in florida we have a high student population we're going to just charge them some student fees and and there we go we'll have a we'll have a football program but mm-hmm. They packed the state. They when they were you know one double A FCS whatever you want to call it, they were packing the stadiums in Statesboro and, and Boone. So it, it does feel like a much more passionate league, especially now. Like you go to Co- and and Coastal's a relatively new player in this, but they've really embraced it. They've been good. So like Coastal hates Appalachian State, and Appalachian State and Coastal hate the Ragin' Cajuns, and it's it's fun. Yeah, they're, they're, Sunbelt Twitter is a pretty fun place. Everybody pretty much doesn't like Coastal Carolina. For, for, oh, yeah, well, for a new vari- guy. Yeah. For, for a variety of, of reasons. But, yeah, you, you combine that with hitting on some really good football coaches and the league decides, like, we're going all in on football here. Like, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be SEC junior or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But they have they don't have necessarily a lot of money, but they have a lot of players they have a lot of fans who are interested you look at the attendance numbers for the most part the sunbelt's pretty strong yeah they, they have a bunch of really passionate fan bases and so that's how you get a situation where if you'd have said 10 years ago somebody's going to leave conference usa for the sunbelt they looked at you like they were like you were crazy like it just never would happen but now you have that you have marshall old dominion and and southern miss are leaving they, they have announced they are leaving Conference USA. They have announced they intend to play in the Sun Belt in 2022. Conference USA is like, well, according to our bylaws, you're stuck here another year. We're planning on having you here. And that's how you have UAB putting out its schedule where it's got two of those teams are supposed to play at UAB. So that's two home games that UAB has in the air. And they put out the schedule with the shrug emoji next to the two games because they don't know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, it, it got real sticky real fast. So, so they announced that they're going to go last fall, along with James Madison from FCS. And pretty quickly you realize, all right, the cost to leave Conference USA is just two years of conference payouts, essentially. So the thinking becomes, well, if you're, if you're not getting that money anyway, why not just leave early? Right. And so they start to kind of figure out if they can do this. In December, they tell the, they tell the Conference USA – we intend to leave by uh, July 1st. That is uh, six, seven, six or seven months away. The bylaws state you got to give 14 months notice. They know this. So they say, hey, let's negotiate. You know, we'll, we'll pay yeah. money to get out. We'll, we'll pay some sort of fee that we'll come up with something and let's work this out and we'll leave and we'll give you some more money. And according to the schools, Conference USA says, we're, we're, we're not even having this conversation. You are supposed to be here, you have contractual obligations. And so that's what's going to happen. And the schools got so fed up that they released a statement a couple of weeks ago that announced, hey, we're gone. Just we're leaving. The, the Conference USA is not talking to us. So we're out of here. And that starts a potential legal fight. And it's going to be fascinating to watch. Now, look, if I had to guess, I'd say that these schools wind up playing in the Sun Belt this year because you can't make them show up at those Conference USA stadiums. <laughs> Like, you're not going to physically force them there. I guess you could say you're breaching your contract, but, I, I mean, I it just seems so messy. It seems 
just figure something out, figure out a way to to fill in those games in the in the conference USA team schedules and, and just get it over with. Yeah, and the I mean the Sun Belt comes up with its schedule typically around March first. That that is the plan once again, and they they have schedules in place ready for these three schools to come if they break free. But they're not going to release it and say we're including them. They're 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 not touching this conference USA drama until they break free because they don't want to be tied into any legal issues as well. So, so basically, all the Sun Belt schools are going to be sitting on pens and needles until this is over because they don't know what their football schedule is going to look like. Right. And so I talked to a few lawyers last week and, and over the weekend to kind of figure out, like, what is going to happen here? And essentially, the, the only way they think Conference USA could keep them is, is you file a lawsuit and you request to get an injunction from a court to keep those schools in Conference USA. But that seems unlikely to happen. They're unlikely to get the injunction, either because you file it, you know, in the town of these schools and the judges won't be favorable oh, yeah. to you. They, they, they don't want to be seen as preventing student athlete opportunities, all these kinds of things. So if it gets, they don't think it's likely to get an injunction. So then what's most likely is the settlement, which is what the whole thing was supposed to be at the beginning. But how long is this going to drag out? We don't know. The Sun Belt's not going to sit there and wait three months because it's got to book its schedule. It's got to book the charter planes now. It's got to book yeah. the hotels now. So uh, this has to be resolved pretty soon. So, if, if it's not resolved, do they, would they just play their Conference USA schedules? Or were I they not some, in protest? Well, I, I, that, that I don't know. And the, the, the Conference USA lawyers have told everybody in the conference to not say anything. I've talked to people in the conference. Some of them were willing to say something. Some of them were willing to say, I can't say anything. The lawyers won't let us talk. So I, 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 don't, I don't know. But at some, if it drags on, at some point, the Sun Belt's just going to say, all right, we're not waiting for you. Like, we're going to go do our own thing. We'll see you in a year. That's, that's what's most likely. And then you get in that awkward spot where they said they're leaving, but they have nowhere to go. So I guess you're staying. Play each other like five times each? <laughs> it's, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do. It, it, what, you can always get liberty in New Mexico State, it feels like. Like, they, they'll, they're, they're willing to play anybody. Well, well, you normally, but it's 2022. The, co- the schedule's already set. I know. <laughs> the 2022 schedule, unless Coastal Carolina loses a game at the last minute and needs somebody, I guess. UConn and UMass always seem available <laughs> if, you, if you need somebody. So, but yeah, I mean, that that is wild. And and interesting that they, they get to this level of brinksmanship. It's like neither side realized, oh, this could get really awkward really fast. Yeah, I mean, the schools thought that Conference USA would be willing to have some sort of conversation. And I, from Conference USA's perspective, you know, I think they don't want to set this precedent of somebody deciding to leave and within seven months they're gone because they're in the most right. they're, they're, difficult, difficult of spots. They're already losing nine of their 14 teams. I mean, it feels the like they're, they've pretty much already fallen apart. And I realize, I realize there are schools that want to jump up to FBS that – will try to join Conference USA. But it does feel like they're on pretty precarious ground too. Like at what point do they just fold up the tent? Well, they they stabilize. They, they will have nine teams by the end of this. They're adding uh, Jacksonville State, Sam Houston, Liberty, New Mexico State. Right. Two of those two of those are FBS. Uh, they tried to get UConn, but 
UConn was kind of on the fence about it. UMass desperately wanted in, but they didn't want UMass. Um, Poor UMass. And, and so, you know, in, in Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee had conversations. Right, with, with the MAC. Thought about the MAC. Western Kentucky really wanted to go, still really wants to go, but Middle Tennessee didn't want to, and they're kind of together. So by the end of this conference, you say we'll still have nine teams. It's a viable conference. Uh, I don't know if that's what's going to be long-term, but it did settle and find itself and didn't, it didn't collapse. Liberty's going to own that conference, right? Probably. They're, I mean, they've got really good football and basketball programs. And, you know, for a while, Liberty couldn't get a conference. Yeah, nobody would they, even they, sniff they, them. They had to get a waiver to move up. to Because to, normally to move up from FCS to FBS, you have to have a conference invitation. But Liberty had so much money and so much success that they were like, all right, you guys can kind of figure it out on, on, on your own. And, but the, the Jerry Falwell situation, a lot of things around Liberty as a university kept these conferences away. They, they've offered tens of millions of dollars to conference USA in the Sun Belt to try to oh, join, yeah. and they turned them down. Now conference USA is in a desperate spot where they're saying, all right, we'll, we'll take Liberty now. And I made this point uh, last week, the staunchest defenders of conference USA Conference USA Twitter right now throughout this legal fight. Liberty. It, it's the Liberty fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, they have fully embraced Conference USA and are trashing the Southern Miss and Marshall and ODU people, even though there is zero connection and they will not share the league together at all. I, but, I, I love uh, that. The, the conference <laughs> that never wanted you, yes. that, that said no, 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 and then they finally need you, and, and, and you're like, we're all in. We got your back now, even though you hated us before. Yeah, Liberty Twitter is happy to have a conference home, especially because they thought there would be and hope there will be a expanded playoff. And if you're right. Liberty, you need that expanded playoff to have a chance to get into it. Right, because you could be potentially the highest ranked group of five champ if there are five auto bids, or if this the six highest ranked conference champs, you could be one of the six. Now, we'll, we'll see if that happens, but you're right, it, it, in that lineup, Liberty's got a shot. Now they're gonna have they'd have to play some Power Five teams and beat them, but Power Five teams have been more than happy to schedule them. So I, I think that that's a distinct possibility. But the question is, is there going to be a twelve team playoff where there are space for either the sixth highest ranked conference champs or the five Power Five conferences and the highest ranked conference champ? Or when they go back to the table, do they come up with something completely different? Right. And, and you wrote about this today and I alluded to it on Friday, which was that the SEC may not be willing to play ball as much as it was. Greg Sankey warned about this back in December yep. and he said, you know, we may not re-engage the same way. We're, you know, we're good with four. We win either way. We may not be willing to give all these breadcrumbs to other people. Yeah. And that's I, I, where, I'll be interested yeah. in my SEC versus all y'all. Like it, 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 let me put it this way. It's not entirely sprung from my imagination. Like, no, it's been spitballed up there. And uh, yeah, yep. That that kind of stuff or a, a basketball tournament that's only the power five or has more power five spots like these are all I mean, I went to the NCAA convention in January and these are the kinds of things people think could be down the pipeline, depending on what certain people want to do. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's what I, I'm curious is if the SEC comes back playing hardball because what, what I suggest that whole SEC tournament, you know, football tournament where they produce a champion and maybe they put their champion against everybody else's champion or, the, or not if they don't want to, I would view that more if, – if that were actually presented by the, S, by the SEC itself, I would view that more as probably a threat to get the 12-team playoff because I, I still think I – yeah. I don't know what you think about this. I still think most of these guys, while they do want to make money for their own leagues, they do. I do think they want to make college football a a better national proposition. Like that was the vibe I got before all the 12 team stuff fell apart. That they felt like this would make it a more national sport, more cohesive, where it feels like everybody's engaged and everybody has a chance every season. Yeah, that's why they came up with the 12. That That's why they laid it out that way and why I thought it was indeed a good option because you get to November and you've got 30, potentially 40 teams that could be in the mix of some kind. And everybody from the group of five to the Pac-12 to the SEC has a stake in it. Um, but the Alliance didn't want to do that. You've got certain university presidents that don't want to do things for certain reasons. And when you have a sport like this, where you have to have 11 people representing hundreds of people all come to an agreement on something, it's hard. And that's yeah. why college sports has always, it's, it's decentralized by design, but that lack of centralization has yeah. caused a uh, lack of progress. And everybody makes more money if it is a national proposition. Everybody mm-hmm. does. But if they won't work together to make it a national proposition. Then everybody's just going to go look out for themselves. And and I like Ari and I talked about this on the Monday show. I think if you had a situation, if you like, you have the SEC come in looking out only for itself. Eventually, the Big Ten will do the same. And then once that happens, everything will just coalesce around those two. And that's going to be it. That's going to be your AFC and NFC, and then you're done. 
and, and, and this is, I mean, the, the whole for the greater good conversation is what I wrote back in July about conference realignment. This, this whole conversation we're having is because Texas wanted more money. I, I don't blame, I, I don't blame the SEC for taking Texas and Oklahoma when they come to them saying, Hey, we may, Hey, got any interest to, to work something out here. Of course, the SEC is going to have interest to work something out there. They'd be, they'd be wrong not to. Yeah. Uh, but it, that starts you on this path here where you've got realignment, you've got playoffs not happening and who knows what the future is now. And it all comes back to Texas wanted more money. <laughs> it always comes back to Texas. Everything. Everything going going back to 2010. Larry Scott yep. could have had Texas and Oklahoma and Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and Colorado in the Pac-16, but the lost odds had to pull the okie doke. Last eleventh uh, yep. hour, the lost odds is like, oh by the way, remember how we said we'd we'd pool our rights and do your network? We're gonna do our we're gonna do our own network. That's cool, right? And then Larry Scott's like, of course that's not cool. Like, no, that's not what we talked about. Yeah. By the way, right? we there, there in the athletic Slack, there is a Pac-16 emoji that was created several years ago. When <laughs> I think it was David Oven wrote that. Story I'm gonna have to find like this. Yeah, and yeah. So any anytime there's a conference realignment story, or I just throw it onto stuff all the time randomly throughout Slack. It's my favorite emoji that that uh, that we have in there. It's just a little pack. If, if you don't if you don't know college football, you don't think it's a thing. Because they, they did like a purge of the Slack emojis a couple years back. Yeah. But they but they kept that one there because I don't think they realized what the Pac-16 was. That's amazing. Well, you know, we do all these what-if stories in the in the offseason. That's that's a what-if story that we really do need to do. Like, what if the Pac-16 had happened? What else would have happened? Because it would have been fascinating. Like, you, obviously, the, the SEC would not have been able to get Texas and Oklahoma. But would the SEC have... have Still taking Texas A and M because A and M was part of the original Pac sixteen as well. I, I think I left them out in the yes. in the listing I was making. So A and M was part was going that way. I don't I I don't know what the SEC would look like. I don't know what the Big Ten would look like. It, it would be fascinating to see because everybody always thinks it'd be four sixteen team super conferences. It would never be that nice and neat. Like now right. it's going to be two. I think then it might have been three. I think you it, might. I mean, have, it, SEC and ACC could, kind of merge, and the Big Ten and eight, and then the rest of the ACC kind of merge, and then you get three. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because I mean, if, if there was an opportunity to, to do four, you know, four clean conferences, it would have been this past fall when right. the rest of the Big Twelve was up for grabs, but nobody wanted them, so that's why they stuck together. Nobody, Big Ten didn't take Kansas or any, Pac twelve didn't take TCU. Yep. These kinds of things. So uh, that was never going to happen. Yeah, so I I know everybody, every time this comes up, everybody tweets at me, well, if they just did four 16-team leagues, no, I know. Listen, I wrote I wrote that when the Big Ten was like, hey, we're thinking of expanding past 11 and taking a 12th member. That's what I wrote. I, four 16-team leagues, and I would call it the Collegiate Athletics, or what is it? Collegiate, uh, Collegiate Athletic Sports Hegemony. The cash. It's a terrible <laughs> name. It's a good acronym. Terrible name. But yes. But yeah, I mean, there's no other way to do it. I mean, at this point, it's just 
the, the, the ones that coalesce the most power are going to control everything. And right now it is the SEC and the Big Ten. The Pac-16 would have had a lot of power had, it, had that gone A through. lot. A lot yeah. of power. Wow. Jolly. Larry Scott, we, we, sh- we bashed the man, but he came, he came in guns blazing and just got okey-doke by DeLos Dodds. He got real close. And, and everything's, everything is different. If that happens, because who? I mean, yeah. If you're the SEC, you gotta what? Take try to take Florida State and some ACC schools. Florida at State, that point. Clemson, and, Virginia Tech, NC State. Yeah, it's that's and it's it's probably not nearly as powerful as a league as it is now. No, uh, just because because you wouldn't have had all those California kids probably head to the SEC. We also didn't get A and M. Like I think getting A and M was was a yes. huge moment for them. That opened up Texas in a completely different way. Yeah. So and and the big 10 would not have sat still either. They would have, I, no. I think, I think the sec and big 10 would have gutted the ACC at that point. That just would have been, yeah. Yeah. Reach you, in, you, take you, what you want. You, you North Carolina's where Jim Delaney went to school. Yeah, North Carolina, here. Virginia goes to the big 10. They're it, a perfect fit. Yeah. Probably Missouri. Probably Missouri goes to the big Missouri 10. Missouri always yeah. wanted to go to the big 10. So yeah. 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 I, so. I, wow, man would have been crazy. And now Chris and I have something to do in June. I think that I think we're going to have to make that happen. That 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 what if the Pac-16 has succeeded? Because I do think there's a bunch of people who would be willing to talk to us about that, who were you know involved, who looking back 12 years later might might feel a little bit differently about it now, or or might have an idea of how. Because I I really do think, you know, from the people I've talked to and and like the Texas A&M people, say they sniffed out what Texas was doing early. And, but of course they're going to say that because they, they don't like Texas, <laughs> yes. but, yes. but I mean, Larry Scott makes his visit to Texas A&M and one of the Texas A&M people goes, Hey, you know what Texas is going to do to you? Right. And then like the night later, Texas does that to them. So mm-hmm. it, it's just, it, it is, it's a dirty business continues to be a dirty business, but somebody has got to cover it. And that's what we're here for. So if you want more college football coverage from me, from Chris Vanini, from Nicole Auerbach, from Bruce Feldman, from Stuart Mandel, from Ari Wasserman. Yeah, we love Ari. He writes too. Theathletic.com slash Andy Staples will get you six months of The Athletic for $6. $1 per month for your first six months. Theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. It is the best deal going. It's basically the price of a double shot latte for six months of all the sports news you can read. Who wouldn't get that? Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here.